Hello, is this thing on? Welcome back to another episode of Energy 101. I feel like we are just on a roll with all these mm-hmm. recordings and releases. So we're excited to be back today. We have Riley from Arbo. She is a data scientist. And today it's a little bit of a different topic because you're a data scientist. Mm-hmm. Tell us what Arbo does to kick us off. Okay. So Arbo at a higher level a lot of what we do is focused in the energy regulatory space. Mm -hmm. So looking at a lot of the data that comes from that. So that's things like um, timing to get like permits and key milestones and approvals um, and also a lot of the cost mechanisms. Mm -hmm. So we look at all of that and then transform that into some sort of like actionable commercial intelligence. Um, And yeah, that's our big focus. (laughs) But today we're actually going to talk about electric transmission. Yes. 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 And renewables. So our business initially started on the natural gas side um, with kind of that first big pipeline build out following the coal to gas transition. Um, But as a lot of that is slowing down and renewables and transmission are really picking up Mm -hmm. where we still have that part of our core business because it is really necessary and going to continue to be needed in the country. Um, But kind of moving and expanding into the renewable and transmission space as well. Great. Cool. So it seems like your role at Arvo, like your data focus, Mm -hmm. and it's shifted over time. So what does that look like with power generation and transmission? Yeah. So I think from a high level, what I do is still the same. It's just the actual subject matter that I'm looking at. So when I first started at Arvo, I was, again, more on the natural gas side looking at you know, timing of projects, cost of projects. And a lot of what I do as a data scientist is looking at that data. And then a lot of what I do is actually in Python, which is programming Mm -hmm. language. Um, And I pull in huge amounts of data at any given time, huge varying on the subject matter because there are only so many pipelines in the country, for example. Um, And then looking at that data, kind of cleaning it up and then analyzing it and Mm -hmm. pulling out, you know, actionable intelligence And then a lot of what I do is I turn that into visualizations to really easily and quickly communicate that. Um, So graphs and maps is a lot of what I do. Graphs and maps. Mm -hmm. Graphs and maps. Um, (laughs) But then now as we're kind of moving into this new space, I'm doing more of kind of what I like to think of as the back end work. So Mm -hmm. a lot more research into not only the processes that go along with these projects and like their development, but also what data is out there. Yep. Um, like looking at the data, how reliable it is, kind of the source, like what that data is able to tell us, but also what it's not able to tell us. Gotcha. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I think data is like what you do is really cool and I wish that I could do it. I think I a while back (laughs) wanted to become a data scientist. No way. Really? Yeah. I actually looked into like classes and things, Mm -hmm. but then I was like getting into it and I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> We're actually launching know. a new data-focused podcast this week. Oh, no way. Today. 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 Well, by the time this comes out, it won't be too uh, but oh. As we're recording. Last week. Today. <laughs> today. July 19th. <laughs> um, it's called Energy Bites. Okay. And it's all. Yeah. We have a, our, like, in-house data nerd, mm-hmm. John. Our little so, engineer. He is. Yes. He's our little data engineer. <laughs> yeah. No, I think – I mean, data is so cool because – there's so much of it. And like, as we go on, there's only ever going to be more of it. Um, but I think one of the big challenges is, is 
what to do with it, but yeah. also kind of understanding what the data is telling us. Cause I think a lot of times that's, um, where there's a little bit that's lost, I think for a lot of people mm -hmm. is they're like, Oh, like I can see that the data says this, but what does it mean? And that's a right. lot of what we do is kind of taking yeah. that, like, okay, this is the data, but this is what it means. This is what it implies. And this is how things are going to, you know, look in the future because of translating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. Layman. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We definitely yeah. need that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can you set the stage for like, what does a power grid look like today? Okay. Yes. And it's it's different since we're in Texas, right? Like we yeah. have, we have our grid. we have our own grid. Yeah. We have our Texas own grid. is kind of doing its own thing. So the United States <laughs> <laughs> The United States power grid is really split into three separate grids. So when we talk about the grid, a lot of times we're really specifically talking about the transmission lines. Mm -hmm. So those are the power lines that are taking electricity from wherever it's generated to where it's needed. Um so at a very high level. There's three grids in the United States. The first is in Texas, mm -hmm. since we're here. Um, the second is really everything that's west of the Rocky Mountains. Mm -hmm. And then the third is everything that is east of the Rocky Mountains. So a lot of times power is generated not necessarily where it's needed, um, especially mm -hmm. as we're shifting to a lot of renewable solar and wind power generation right. because you can't put acres of solar farms and acres of wind farms right up against the cities. So yeah. mm -hmm. that power has to be taken, you know, to wherever Elsewhere. it is needed, mm -hmm. typically in those urban city areas. Yep. Mm -hmm. Great. I feel like we talk a lot here about how one of our missions is to raise just general energy mm -hmm. IQ for the world. And we always joke that I think the common person has no idea no. where their electricity actually comes from. They plug something in, it has power, and that's it. So let's school them today. Where mm -hmm. does our electricity come yeah. from? Yeah. So it comes from a lot of sources, I would say. But in general, once that electricity is generated, it's all the same. So historically in the U.S., most of our power was generated with coal, mm -hmm. firing coal, and then taking that steam. And then it turns a little turbine. And then that energy is pulled in. And that's where the electricity, the electrons come from. Um, again, with um, as we really had the shale revolution and then kind of boomed with the pipeline build out. A lot of that coal has been replaced with natural gas generation. Um, and now as we're moving into the space of renewables, a lot of that is now being generated with solar and wind power. Um, but regardless of how it's generated, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because it's all an electron. Um, right. And then those electrons are fed into from the power plants. They are typically fed into some sort of transformer, which steps up the voltage. And then they're fed into typically a higher voltage transmission line just because you can transport more of it at a given mm -hmm. time at a higher voltage. Um, and then so a lot of times that'll be taken further away, especially with renewables. Um, fossil fuel plants can usually be a little bit closer to the cities. Yeah. Regardless, it needs to be brought to where it's needed. And those are usually on the higher voltage transmission lines. Once it gets close to those areas, it typically goes through another substation, another transformer, and step down yeah. to a slightly lower voltage. And then it kind of speeds out, like in this case, like let's say across the city. And then once it gets to a neighborhood, a residential, a commercial area, it's typically stepped down one more time and then fed into a power line that's attached to your house. So it's safe Jeez. Wow. to power your home. Okay, first, <laughs> first dumb question. Does it lose – okay, I don't even know if this question makes sense, and I always preface my dumb questions like that because, I don't know, I have to. Mm -hmm. um, does it lose power or maybe voltage as it's being 
um, moved, like transferred from, you know, the... That's a good question that I'm not sure I have an answer to. Not because I think it's a dumb question, but because (laughs) I, like in terms of the technical stuff, yeah, we're just really, like, at least I personally don't look into like a lot of the technology. I'm like much more of a higher level view. I guess no. Maybe we're gonna find mm-hmm. out. Yeah. I feel like after we're done recording, we'll Google and we'll put in a little yeah mm-hmm. blur. Yeah, yes, it does. Or no, it doesn't. <laughs> or someone just come on and yeah. just yeah, that exact just, thing. I mean, honestly, it's just something I've never yeah. really thought about. I yeah. know that um, typically solar and wind plants they have um, a capacity value, yeah. and this is also true of natural gas, but it's typically much lower for solar and wind just because they're really dependent on the weather of any yeah. given day. So just because it is capable of generating, let's say, 10 megawatts of electricity, you know, from day to day, depending on the weather, like mm-hmm. even two days in a row, like that solar plant, the sun might shine all day. So it can have really close to that capacity right, and right. then the next day it'll be yeah. cloudy. Mm-hmm. So it won't generate any of that energy that's it's supposed to or capable of. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. That kind of goes into our next question. Um, I think anyone that lived here a couple years ago during the freeze mm-hmm. – Ken knows what we're talking about. Um, the problems facing the grid, especially yeah. the Texas grid. I think that's I, I would assume unless you work in energy mm-hmm. where in the freeze happened, I feel like that's when the common person kind of realized, oh, like there are some issues yeah. with our grid and the fact that we are kind of a silo grid mm-hmm. and not prepared for yeah. temperatures that we should not be experiencing. <laughs> I mean, Texas saw it because everything happened in Texas, yeah. but I think that that really could happen in Anywhere. most of the country. Yeah. Um, and I think because for a lot of people, like electricity is such a given Mm -hmm. because I mean, I, you know, you just turn your lights on, you plug your phone, it works every single day. Like, unless there's like, you know, we, um, where I live, there's a lot of trees. So every once in a while we'll have a tree falling into the power line, but then Mm -hmm. it's fixed in an hour. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's, and it's no big deal. Like, you know, it might be dark, but it's not like we're freezing. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, thank God. But yeah, so kind of related to the grid. There's problems that generation is facing and there's problems that transmission is facing. Mm-hmm. Um, at a high level, they're the same. There's reliability issues right. and timeline issues, kind mm-hmm. of getting those new projects built. Um, on the generation side, a lot of that reliability is kind of related to what I was saying, um, looking at the fact that they're completely dependent on the weather. They can mm-hmm. only generate as much power as the weather allows them to. And there's really, that's really out of our control. Whereas with um, traditional sources, um, natural gas, coal, you know that if you burn a certain amount of it, you're going to get the same amount of energy every single time. Like there's Mm -hmm. no questions about that. So that's a big issue with kind of some of the more renewable generation Mm -hmm. is that it also needs, these power plants are typically a lot smaller and they have much lower capacities than the, um, traditional sources so again we just need a lot more of them yeah which kind of comes into the timeline part of it with these new facilities that are being built in most regions of the country there is um, either an ISO or an RTO which governs kind of the transmission in that area and what does that stand for so an ISO is an independent system operator okay. and an RTO is a regional transmission operator. At a high level, they're the same, mm-hmm. um, like their responsibilities and stuff. It's just the region. So typically the way that a lot of people look at it is that an ISO governs a single state, whereas an RTO is a region. Okay. But there are several RTOs that have ISO in the name that are over a whole region. So 
And why ISO is one, they just do New York, but then ISO New E, NE is ISO New England. So they're the whole region, Mm. but they really do the same thing. So these organizations look at the new, like the proposed generation facilities. And in order to be connected to the grid, they have to undergo an interconnection study. So when these projects are being proposed, they enter what is called an interconnection queue and they have to undergo a series of studies, which really just make sure that the place that they want to be located is valid in terms of being able to interconnect to the grid. So once that generation is there, is it able to get connected to the grid and then power? Because in some places there are capacity constraints where there's too much generation there Mm -hmm. being fed in at a given point. Um, So that's a big issue that those are facing. The problem with the interconnection queues is that they're very long. And especially as we're moving to this renewable generation, historically, it wasn't a problem because the traditional sources of energy, the power plants were much bigger. So there were a lot fewer of them going in at any given time. They just didn't need as many. Whereas now it's there are record numbers being put into these queues. Um, Like in some places, I think it's like 10 times as many as we're going in 10 years ago. And because this process is so long, a lot of these projects are what we refer to as speculative. Mm -hmm. So they just kind of stick them in, see what's going to happen. And then it's something like 80% in some regions of the country end up withdrawing before they even, you know, complete the first study. So that's a huge burden on like the queues themselves, but also the, the people that are working to kind of try to get through these. So it is just a compounding problem. So it's not like you can just find a patch of land and no, mm-hmm. no, throw. I mean, we can, <laughs> but where's the electricity going right. to go? Yeah. You know. So and that's a huge piece of it. Um, so then, kind of moving to transmission, the reliability for transmission is a little bit different. Um, one of the things that we find with the grid in the United States is old right now, oh. um, and it hasn't been. It's okay to this point, but now we're getting to the point where a lot of those existing lines need to be upgraded and replaced Mm. because they are so old. And that is one of the issues that kind of brings the reliability of transmission lines. And this is what we saw um, in What happens when they're old? They just stop working? Yes. A lot of times. um, Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. But also they can cause safety hazards. There have been a couple of wildfires specifically out in Mm. California that have been linked Ah. to the aging transmission lines there. Um, But really it just, they no longer become reliable. They can stop. They can't hold the same capacity. Um, It's a big issue. And then again, similar to the generation, the transmission timelines are very, very lengthy for these long distance transmission lines Mm -hmm. specifically that we're looking at. Um, A lot of that is because there's no kind of one-size-fits-all permitting regulatory body that kind of can look at these projects and be like, okay, we can go through all of this. It's not a well-established process. Um, So with that, there was just a transmission project that is meant to go from, I think, Wyoming into Las Vegas. It is 730 miles, the Trans-West Express transmission line. This specific line was kind of picked as a priority project under the Obama administration Mm -hmm. in 2011. And it just started construction in June of this year. What? (laughs) So they were doing the studies for the whole Yeah, and also like the acquisition of land and the permitting, all of this. And it took – and this is just one example. Like this – we're seeing this across the country. 
So it's a huge thing. So now, like thinking about that timeline, there are a lot of net zero power sector goals. I think 2035 is the All year. Right. Well, I was just about to say that. an issue like that doesn't mm-hmm. really matter if the power is coming from a traditional source no. or renewable. No. Because there's an underlying issue with mm-hmm. the transmission. Yes. And so how are we supposed yeah. to meet all these goals and all these people that are yeah. like, oh, by 2030 and all this stuff, we're going to do all these things when we can't even take care of the lines we already have. Exactly. And I think that's the biggest issue. We really have kind of taken a stance that there is no transition without transmission. Ooh. And a lot. I I like that. I like that too. (laughs) I think that's the title of our episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But so a lot and a lot of the focus has been in the renewable generation and replacing the old fossil fuel generation because, you know, that's where the emissions come from. It's not from the transmission. But we don't have the right. transmission to support it. You're still going to have mm-hmm. the same yes. issues. Mm-hmm. And then as, you know, we move to electrification, especially electric cars, and then mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of, like, new building codes and stuff that are saying, like, your home heating and all of that has to be electric instead of gas, natural gas. Yeah. So there's going to be an even higher demand for electricity that we're not going to be able to, to kind of keep yeah. up. Right. Yeah, yeah, both because the trans or the generation – we're not seeing in a lot of areas of the country the traditional generation is retiring faster than the renewable generation is coming on. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's you know the whole capacity issue, mm-hmm. but then it's not going to be able to be transported to where it's needed. Mm-hmm. So if we get to the point, I know the freeze was different because mm-hmm. the grid like froze over. Yeah, something. everything. But mm-hmm. could we potentially get to a point, especially here in Texas, where especially in the heat, you know, if we're in this world where let's just say even. 30% of people have electric cars, 75% of homes are electric as opposed to gas. Can the grid just over stimulate, overwork, and it just like yeah. shuts off? So, um, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you, well, it just, that's break. a lot of times when kind of the regulator, the regulate regulators step in. Um, I know in California a couple years ago mm-hmm. when they were having the extreme heat and there was a drought, so they weren't able – a lot of their stuff is hydropower, um, and they had the rolling blackouts. Um, right. I think yeah. that – it would probably go to that before, like, the grid would just explode. Give out. But, you know, I mean, well, but that's it's what I'm hap- wondering. Yeah. yeah. No, you know so you can, like, bust a circuit in your right. house, and if you're using too many, like – I feel mm-hmm. like I've been on, like – bachelorette trips where yeah. everyone's plugged in every bathroom and all of a sudden all the power goes yeah. out. Yes. All the blue yeah. dryers going yes. at once. Yeah. 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 I think it would take a lot mm. for the grid itself yeah. to like be overloaded, but there could absolutely be cases where they would step in and be like, all right, we're going to turn the power off to your right. house from this time right. because there is too much demand mm-hmm. and we don't we, have, we're not generation. able to meet it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's actually really yeah. scary to yeah. think about. Mm-hmm. And I feel like no one really talks about that side of it. Everyone is really focused on the scary part of the environment mm-hmm. if we keep using so yeah. many fossil fuels, and but not – What's the scary part about going right. back into the 1920s yeah. Yeah. when you have no electricity? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to live that life. I Me just, either. No. But I don't think people know because that's that's not what people that's are not talking narrative. about. Right. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. like, oh, we need to go all renewable. Okay, that's great. But like we need reliable power generation. We yeah. need to keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Right. It's all fine and dandy that yeah. we could potentially have all this wind and solar renewable power. But if we can't get it to the people who need yeah. it, then what's the point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's where there's just been so much investment in the generation mm-hmm. and so much focus in the generation and so little on the transmission yeah. side. And that's really going to be I've honestly never key. heard that transmission is a problem. Mm-hmm. No. At all. But it makes mm-hmm. sense that mm-hmm. a lot of 
what we have is old and just mm-hmm. needs updating. Like I yeah. feel like just like you would update any part of your house or get a new AC or get right. a new water heater or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So what is the solution? Do we need to have transmissions in rural areas like more? And how do you combat like the nimbyism? And for those who don't know what nimbies are, it's not in my backyard. So like they don't want all the um, infrastructure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As an eyesore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so absolutely. There was a study that came out of Princeton maybe a couple years ago at this point, which basically said we need to expand the grid by five times by 2050, I believe, in order to kind of meet like this Mm -hmm. need for electricity um, as it's going to continue to grow as we push uh, towards electrification. And especially with, you know, the move to renewable because it's going to be coming in in so much more places. But it's also going to have to expand out into these rural areas because that's where so much of the renewable generation is. And it has to be located there. Right. Like there, it's mm-hmm. right. it's not like there's any other option. Okay. There's yeah. nowhere else mm-hmm. to go. Yeah. Right. So once you – like we were saying earlier, mm-hmm. I think the easy part of my mind would be finding land, identifying it. But you were mentioning there's a lot of issues permitting and it can take obviously yes. 10, 12 years to mm-hmm. even get something started. Yeah. So is there any – do people realize that? Is there any like reform being talked about around the permitting? Like how do we, because that seems to be an issue that also needs some reform before we can really yeah. get to where we need to there be. There have been a couple of the big pieces of legislation have kind of identified funding and kind of put forth like funding and tax credits for some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not really actually doing anything right. in terms of fixing the problem. The Department of Energy has just recently undertaken a um, what they're calling the Building a Better Grid Initiative, Okay, where they're really trying to look to identify some of these areas where, you know, transmission is needed the most, either because um, a lot of times it's because the existing is old and it's congested. There's a lot, um, you know, going in and coming out. But right now they're not really doing anything, which I recognize that this, it's not an easy thing. It's not an, and it's going to be expensive and it's going to take a lot of time. So there's been the start, I guess, but like nothing has been done yet. And it's not, not to say that that's a bad thing. It just means that we're probably not going to meet some of our, you know, emissions goals related to the power sector. Um, When you would hope that that would be just kind of a built in thing to all these like we'll get there initiatives eventually. they're putting forward yeah. for renewable energy sources. Mm-hmm. You would think kind of like a layer to that should also be, hey, we also need to fix our transmission. transmission. Yeah. So there have definitely been some things started and it's going to be hard with no federal oversight. I know that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, you know, people want federal <laughs> oversight. People don't want federal oversight. But that's what we see on the natural gas pipeline side is because any project that's crossing state lines has to go through a review process with the Federal Energy Regulatory Committee, um, FERC for short. And they, because of that, the process is short um, in comparison. It's still like four to five years in some cases. But with that federal oversight, and it also kind of allows um, federal eminent domain over the land to build some of these projects, um, which, you know, whether that's a good thing or not, you know, that's its own argument. But if that would help 
Um, and also mm-hmm. just with the federal permitting, looking at it that way, it would really kind of streamline the process because right. right now, if a transmission line is crossing state lines, it has to go through the process in each state individually. Some states, <laughs> my God, how did we not figure that out yet? Right. Some states are similar, like some regions of the country who are under these ISOs and RTOs. Right. They, they have similar processes in order to help because there's it's just like a huge regional effort to do it. But in a lot of cases, these are being you know developed by private developers. So those developers have to go into each state, complete mm-hmm. each process individually. Typically, there's an environmental review that goes with it. And a lot of times it's going to be each state is going to do their own. Whereas now, like with these pipeline projects, there's just one federal environmental process. Yeah. There's still state permits that need to be acquired for different projects, but it's just a much more streamlined process. Do you feel like a part of the problem, too, is politicians not being educated on energy? Yes. <laughs> it's Full stop. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I think a lot of the problem is just how political energy has become. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm relatively new in the industry. I joined, um, you know, 2019 kind of as I was ending college. So I haven't, you know, been around to see all of it. But from what I've heard, like it hasn't always been this way. But because it's like, oh, energy, and then it becomes climate change, and then it becomes this huge political issue, which at yes. the end of the day, like, it shouldn't be that way because right. we all we all need it. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't – like, it does not matter. Like, if you are a person, you need the <laughs> you energy. Need energy. Like, energy. The right. end. Yeah, yeah. And I think because it is so politicized, and that's actually – a lot of our customers have relationships with different legislators in different areas and come to us – for the data to kind of use to educate them. And then they right. can go use that. Back Either that yeah. our customers or a lot of the um, midstream natural gas companies, they're either working directly with the legislators or they're going into lobby and use that to educate them um, so that they know more. Because it is that is kind of how a lot of policy happens in this country. And I know it's not that way in other countries mm-hmm. where the people who are making the laws are not necessarily educated in the space that they're making the laws in. So we see it Which a lot. In sad. energy specifically. It's but very sad. In Europe, they actually have like experts who kind of like write these ideas for the policies right. and kind of like are like, okay, this is why we should do this because of all these statistics, because of all of this. Mm-hmm. But that's not how it works in this country. So that's I know Senator Manchin is one of the big ones who's really been pushing for a lot of these things related to energy and yep. getting them included in the legislation but I know that he's done a lot mm-hmm. of learning yeah. about mm-hmm. it because we've prepared some of the stuff for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So know? if you're a politician, this is your formal yeah. invitation to listen to Energy 101. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and do your research. Right. But yeah, that's Ask even like a questions. lot of the content that we produce at Arbo is very research-based. Mm-hmm. It's data-based. And then a lot of it we're um, producing and publishing for free, mostly through LinkedIn. Yeah. But we're putting it out there. So a Which lot of our is customers so important. Yeah. yeah. But Anybody can. And yeah. I think that it's a huge resource. It's very valuable. I'm going to mm-hmm. start looking at y'all's yeah. research, I know. Digging yeah. in. Yeah. I love it. Very interesting. Should we go to the um, questions? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we do three rapid mm-hmm. fire questions. Okay. Missy, do you want to ask the questions? Sure. Okay. What is the biggest misconception of the energy industry? Oh, that's a good question. The biggest misconception. I think I would probably lean to the idea that natural gas is like the absolute biggest enemy 
for the energy, well, I guess for the common people, the energy industry, you know, they know, they like it. Um, <laughs> but I think as we've seen the shift from coal to natural gas specifically in the power sector, there's been a huge, huge drop in emissions mm-hmm. since it's really come. And is it perfect? Is it the best option? No, obviously not. Um, you know, in a perfect world, we would all just, you know, have our solar panels and everything would be clean and it would be perfect. <laughs> and it's sunny and <laughs> yes. 75 all the Every time. Every single yeah. <laughs> But- Kind of until then, like it's going to be a like natural gas is going to be a really great kind of middle like filler mm-hmm. in between. And I think that it's reliable. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that if we, it's always going to be able to meet our generation needs, um, mm-hmm. at least as we, you know, continue to transition, because this isn't going to be a quick process. No. It's going to take a really long time. And it's, it's not the best option in a theoretical world, but here where we are now, like we it's the we best option it for and now. we're not mm-hmm. it's we're not going to shift away from it i think like a lot of people i don't necessarily if they think we're going to but like a lot of people would hope yeah mm-hmm. yeah um why should people care about energy i mean we can't i mean i guess we could live without it but not we as we live <laughs> we now don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. we <laughs> cannot live without it and it touches everything yep like i also think kind of totally pivoting into some of the oil and stuff. I don't think people realize like how much of that is used for things that they use in their everyday mm -hmm. life. Probably 95% of the things in this room. Yes. So even outside of electricity, it's everywhere Mm -hmm. and we need it if we are going to like continue this quality of life that Mm -hmm. we have in 2023. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Love it. What is your most embarrassing story work-related? Oh, okay. So I graduated from college in 2020. So, you know, very start of the pandemic. So I moved home and I was living with my parents, um, which I feel like a lot of parents don't really get the work from home thing. Like they're like, are you working? Like, yes, like I know I'm home, but I'm working. I have a lot to do. Mm -hmm. But so my parents have a pool and where I had like all my work stuff set up was in their basement. Um, And behind me, was a bathroom, a door to the bathroom. So that's when people were out swimming, Mm -hmm. they would come in from the pool and then use the bathroom that was right behind my desk. Mm -hmm. So I was in a meeting. Fortunately, it was only internal, not with any customers. (laughs) And at Arbo, we had, we're so small. um, So we kind of like really tried to keep it like personal and we did all our meetings with cameras on. So I'm in the middle of this meeting with, I don't even, I couldn't tell you what we were talking about, but I'm, you know, paying attention minding my business. And the next thing I know, like I see in the corner of my eye in my camera, my cousin who she's pretty close to my age, but like walk back behind me in a hot pink bikini. And then did she go straight to the bathroom? No, she just kind of like lingered there. And I'm like, like, I'm You're in like shock. Moving your so head. I like don't right. have You're like it. trying to go. Like, I'm like, I could just turn the camera off, but I'm like, <laughs> oh my god and I don't know if anybody noticed like nobody right. said anything to me <laughs> but that definitely like sticks out as like like that that's definitely funny. I'm glad that like it was all internal because yeah. you know like it's kind of embarrassing but like mm-hmm. whatever I could not have even imagined if that was like on a customer <laughs> <Yeah>. call because <laughs> like when you're on the call with customers you're like looking to see what's going on right. in their background oh, yeah. you know yeah. it's just, like you don't see them every day so you're like right. Yeah. I like your tapestry. I like that piece of I'm art. sure a lot of people have you know? some pretty embarrassing mm-hmm. Zoom stories. Zoom. Zoom. Yeah. Screen share story. Yeah. Well, at least she was wearing <laughs> a bathing suit. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. But I'm hot pink bikini. I was like, 
Oh, girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, That's like everybody funny. else knocks before they come yeah. in. They know. So I'm like, I have some warning. She's just like, yeah. yeah. Just, right. Yeah. And then she just stood there. I'm like, wow. That's why you're here. Um, yeah. That's definitely, definitely one of the big things. Every once in a while, I'll, um, when I make charts, we, um, when we talk about natural gas capacity, a lot of times we're looking at um, in terms of decatherms per day, which is abbreviated as DTH per day. So mm-hmm. when I'm labeling them, I say DTH per day in my head. And every once in a while, we'll be like presenting to a customer and I'll be like, oh, and this many DTH per, per day. And I'm like, oh, no. And, and like, they're like, like, wow. like, like, because like, that's, that's not, not an accepted acronym for it. And I'm like, <laughs> I know it's a decatherm, but when I label it, like that's how I say it in my yeah. head. Mm-hmm. So that's come out a couple of times. That's but. how I'm going to read it from now. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Deep per day. <laughs> Deep per day. It's cute. It sounds really it cute. Sounds cute. Yeah. yeah. It Love does. It. Cool. Well, where can people find you if they want to – educate themselves. Yeah. So definitely LinkedIn is where we publish the most and it's all free. It's all there. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, just Riley Minert, And then Arbo is on LinkedIn as well. And Great. I think it is a good place to follow because we do produce so much content and it is all research-based, data-based, and we make it free for anybody. I mean, you know, the common people, if they want to educate themselves, legislators potentially, mm-hmm. um, and also our customers too, because we touch a lot of things in the inner in the industry. So not just natural gas, not just renewables. We really do have a really broad look at everything. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. All right. Should we plug anything we have coming up? Um, Energy Tech Night, Oklahoma City. All I'm excited. Friend, mm-hmm. I am too. All of our friends in Oklahoma, August 10th, Tower Theater, Be There or Be Square. Yes. We also have a power hour with Encino. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up. Next week. I actually don't know the topic of it, but. <laughs> it's actually about Come emissions. Watch. It's about emissions. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, Jason Etier, who is the host of our Energy Tech Startups podcast, is hosting it with the team from Encino. So it should be a good one. That is on July 27th. Hopefully this will be out by then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I think that's it. Great. Yeah. Well, thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>